Welcome to We're Not Wizards. We are the best, but not wizards. Enjoy the show! Welcome to another episode of We Are Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for September. It's starting to get cold. Well, it's not really starting to get cold. Has it ever got warm? I don't know. Why am I starting the show every single time at the moment talking about the weather? I'm like some old person at a bus stop, just sitting there, complaining, reminiscing, thinking back to what I was doing about five years ago. As you do, you remember the good times. You remember the first times. And I remember the first time that I spoke to one of these glorious people. Um, and it was kind of, it was awesome. In fact, it might have been decking awesome, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I was joined at the time by Owen Costello from Decking Awesome Games because they were going to chat about their upcoming t- Kickstarter Dice Summoners. And Dice Summoners went on and they got funded. And it's out there in the wild and people are kind of playing it. And I, I spoke about it at the at the time. And then what happens is that you fast forward a couple of years until like literally three days ago and you bump into them at Tabletop Scotland. <laughs> you don't just, and I'm talking them. And what I mean is I don't just mean Owen, I also mean Kira as well. So joining me, I've got Kira Costello. I've got Owen Costello. We're to- here to talk about not just enriching your life, but saving lives. We're talking about saving Snowball, which is a beautiful bunny, a little white bunny that we're all going to find out about. We're going to find out about how you can make a rabbit escape room. Hello, Richard. Hello. Hello. (laughs) It seems like ages, I was saying, but it's actually a tabletop Scotland, which we kind of like met. So, you know, if I'd been kind of, if I had my thinking hat on, I probably should have taken lunch break and then just kind of took my laptop and disappeared into a room. <laughs> and then we could have all just recorded together at the same time, couldn't we? In real life, in real like life. in person. Yeah, but then that'd be weird. <laughs> you were busy though at the convention. Oh, right? I was really, yeah, I was really, really busy. Tabletop, Tabletop Scotland was... Um, Tabletop Scotland was a lot of fun, but it was also, um, I was demoing games kind of like both days um, along with for um, Hachette Games, um, which was incredibly good fun and also incredibly rewarding as well because it's another thing kind of talking about stuff that you enjoy, but I'm going to touch very briefly on it, but it's just like Eureka Moments when you're teaching somebody a game and you almost see that little kind of, and they're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> and so it's like all the way. So so you're kind of like, I was teaching like, uh, I was teaching um, like uh, Stomp the Plank, which takes about 30 seconds to kind of uh, teach. And Corridor, which is like spelt with a Q and it's like, got a, it's got like a wooden thing. It's all made of wood. And there's Kohali, which is all made of wood. And then there was like Marrakesh, 
which is carpets. And then there was my my favourite game, um, Acropolis. But it was all this like li- and um, in the path of Darwin was a, was a new one that's come out, which a lot of people really really liked. And then Miller Zoo, which is a mixture between a kind of a resource management and kind of almost like a legacy type game, but aimed at kind of like families and kids. But there was all these little moments where you just seen people kind of all of a sudden go from kind of like some strange person is teaching me in a wizard hat <laughs> to um, actually going. Oh yeah, I get this. I understand it. So there's all that kind of wonderful, wonderful kind of moments. Because you were there, um, you were there for kind of, I guess, business and pleasure. I guess yeah, so. You had actually shown us uh, in the past of Darwin. Yes. Um, you demoed us to us, and it was really good fun. We really yeah. enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Darwin's really, Darwin's really, really good fun. Yeah. I mean, it's good because it's it, the concept of, of of you start off just choosing the animals you like. Yes, that's how that's how you start to play, and then at the end you realize that's not how you win. No, you had a good time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you've got you've got a menagerie of like about sixty five percent of all the animals that you wanted, and then thirty five percent of the animals that you kind of like run away hiding if you actually kind of seen them in in kind of in kind of real life. Um, so were you up the entire weekend? Were you up from the Friday then? Kira. no we were uh we came over the saturday so wow. um uh, lack of holidays <laughs> meant this was a roller coaster of a convention um and we arrived uh we flew at six o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. so we were took planes trains cars taxis everything to get uh there before like quarter past nine or something like that in the no, morning no. <laughs> and you just uh, you just arrived and kind of like rocked up. I didn't realize you'd actually had such a, you'd already been on a journey before you were starting your kind of your journey. Hours, <laughs> hours on a journey. And, uh, and we had like, it was really, it was really good. Owen was in charge of planning and did manage to get us there with all our arms and legs. So <laughs> that was a good achievement. <laughs> where, where did you fly from? Uh, Dublin uh, into Edinburgh and wow. then, uh, trams and trains to to from edinburgh out uh, and we actually we were really lucky so we caught everything that we were supposed to yeah. like every tram and everything and then because we were worried our we had a play testing session at 12 <laughs> and we were like oh my god are we gonna make it and then we were there at nine and it was like well we have loads of <laughs> just, just gonna chill out and do absolutely nothing at all you would have been like the mccallisters and home alone running through the airport trying to get there on time and then realizing you're arriving like two two hours early for the gate and there's nothing you can do about it except sit there and worry was it a ryanair flight that you got over or was it easy jet Good old Ryan. Good old, good old Ryan. Yeah. Do they still charge you for the number of times you breathe in, as well as the number of times you can breathe breathe out on the plane? It's your blood type now. They charge you based on your blood type. Is it? (laughs) And and how how long your nails are? Because you know, and and the kind of the tread that you've got on your shoes. Because if you've got a bigger, because I think I heard, if you've got a bigger tread on your shoes, you wear down the steps going into the plane. (laughs) <laughs> and you also wear down the carpet inside the plane a bit more. And if you've got long nails, you're potentially there's potential damage on the seats. So anybody that's got new shoes and good nails, they're going to get charged extra. As as far as they should, <laughs> I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be absolutely. I wouldn't be kind of surpri- surprised. Um, last time we spoke, we talked 
about dice summoners. And that went out into the wild. And that that became a thing. And, I mean, we're talking kind of 2018, where COVID was just, let's face it, I think when we met, I think when we met up, everybody was high, like people were spitting on their hands and then high, <laughs> high fiving, and you know, it's like there was definitely game. There was like the breathing games, and you know, who could cough the furthest, and you know, all who, these. No all one knew these, how to wash their hands. Nobody, exactly. Everybody kind of like went, you know, they went, mm, let's have a sniff. Oh, I don't know. I think you should go to the doctor. You could have a, a kidney infection. Um, so it's that kind of thing, and so. Did I take it? Did things did did it kind of put a, a bit of a, a kind of a, a kibosh on your kind of development? Because I'm guessing after after dice summoners, where you had some momentum, then it must have been well. What do we do next? And I'm guessing by the time that dice summoners kind of fulfilled, you were kind of heading towards at the time you didn't know it, kind of heading into kind of like COVID territory. So did that change your kind of your direction and where the company kind of had to go or what it was going to do, do then? Yeah, uh, so yeah, it definitely did. I think uh, we had a couple of games in development at that time um, and we kind of had to pivot it. Obviously, when COVID happened, we couldn't do those regular game development sessions anymore uh, with the with the people we knew. <laughs> so we, we started to do, obviously, like everybody else during the pandemic, we started a podcast. <laughs> and we started doing <laughs> game development. We had a game development podcast, and it went it went really well. I think we at yeah. least we explored it from our point of view what we wanted to show. Yeah, uh, and it, it also helps people who who don't know about us to get to know us. Um, and then we also did like uh, Dungeons and Dragons, right? Which yeah, that's what I was going to ask about because looking at your looking at your website because I do my research. <laughs> yeah, don't look at me like that. Um, but then I noticed I was kind of like, oh, it's a Christmas dice bobble. And then there's like, oh, the dragon of Skellig Island. I was like, that's a bit of a different kind of direction for yeah. you guys. So was that, was that a direct result of what happened during the kind of the pandemic itself? I, th I think I think we, we definitely wanted to uh, write more. We had those hmm. ideas of Dungeons and Dragons. And then, uh, you know, when, when it came to actually, uh, we, we still played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons during COVID. Hmm. So it was still the only, pretty much the only way of doing it. The board game sessions were out, and in came online D and D, um, and so yeah. Were you all in the like kind of in what they would call a bubble then? So you were all able to see each other. Or were you still doing stuff online? We did stuff online a lot. So so we were we had started a campaign before the uh, pandemic, mm -hmm. and then that moved online. And I guess we played it more regularly a little bit as well, because like sometimes it'd be weeks between sessions, but while no one could do anything else, we really did <laughs> ourselves just... to D and D. <laughs> it's like, shall we do? Okay, so we're done Monday, Wednesday. Then what about Friday? <laughs> I mean, the telly's the telly's dull, and we could do it during the kind of the the kind of the T shock announcements as well. Um, Yes, I know what the Prime Minister of Ireland's called. Thank you very much. Because <laughs> that's what, I mean, that's, you know, because you've been, um, I take it you're based around Dublin area then. You're not too far from it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you would have had completely kind of sensible, organised announcements support 
<laughs> because everybody go instead of everybody go to restaurants, I'm paying, which is which is what, which is kind of what which is kind of what we had. But um, do you still play the D and D then, Kira? Is that still something that's kind of continued as it as it goes on? Yes, and I recently took a stint at being the dungeon master. Mm. So Owen is normally the dungeon master, yes. um, or he was for a long time. Uh, and it was much harder. <laughs> so I love playing D&D. I don't know that I love uh, DMing or being the Dungeon Master as much because it is a lot of things for my brain to get its head around. Um, and all I want to do is uh, trap my players in random puzzles and all they want to do is fight their way out or randomly choose <laughs> random characters <laughs> we're playing um we're playing blades of the dark and um blades in the dark and um the dm who's amazing chris is he's fantastic and i've told him said to him many times he's amazing um in private and in and in public as well but he had built this entire scenery around one of our characters kind of going into a tavern in order to kind of, um, or a pub because it's blades in the dark and going and interrogating and speaking to certain characters. And um, Peter decided he wasn't going to do that. <laughs> so he'd <laughs> spent ages kind of building characters and backstory. And the guy that kind of walked in and went, no, nah, this looks dodgy. I'm not doing that. And so it's like you go into that thing where it's like, um, and and there's a big sign, and you can either go left or right. Now on the right hand side, there's brambles. There looks like to be a trip wire. The place is half on fire, and uh, it, there's definitely some scurvy there as well. Or you can go on the shiny left white tiled path that appears to have <laughs> the, the smell of freshly baked bread, um, wafting down from the left hand corridor. Um, and you can hear gentle, friendly singing. Which way do you want to go, guys? Which way? Left or right? <laughs> Le- left or I think we'll go right. Yeah, definitely. I'll get my <laughs> I'll get my clippers out, and it's just like, what are you doing? Which is why I couldn't do a DM a DMing thing. I'm right up there with you, Kira. I couldn't I couldn't do a DMing thing because first of all, I talk talk nonstop. <laughs> I'd give them such backstory and we get like five five minutes of actual play done. And secondly, if they went the wrong way, I'd be like, nah, nah, I spent hours doing this. You're going that way. <laughs> it's too many times, way too many times I've DM'd and had like a special ring, a special cursed <laughs> ring. No one does anything with the cursed ring. No one puts it on. They realize it's cursed. They leave it where it is. Exactly. And I'm like, man, there's a character in that cur- in that ring as well. Exactly. I've got like I've got 500 pages of backstory that I wrote. It was so good that I had to stop for a cry, in a ha- kind of halfway through. So is that what made you decide to create the Dragon of Skellig Island? Then was it kind of like a? I mean, was it something you wrote together? Was it a? separate project for one of you it was it was something we were kind of burning on the back burner for a while that we wanted to do the board games uh, as uh, first hmm. get the first three board games uh, kind of designed and developed but then uh, we, we also still wanted to write D&D uh, and we thought there was a, a, a really good way of creating an adventure for brand new DMs mm-hmm. so Richard if you ever wanted a DM it's a perfect spot for you uh, and that, that way it kind of just it, it briefly kind of goes into the rules of fifth edition without kind of over explaining everything but kind of gives you the main points that that players love which is like player history and cool npcs and stuff like that um 
without like uh you haven't yeah don't have to read the entire book um so yeah that, that was and and uh, when kira's writing her adventure as well we wanted to try and link them all together into this one kind of yeah. irish myth- mythological story and um, so we're definitely stealing lots of stuff from irish mythology and turning it into D and um, yeah it was really interesting that's what isn't it um that's what your man that wrote um the his dark materials philip pullman says he says something like steel it's st- st- he thought like steel like a steel like a butterfly right like a bee or something like that he says just <laughs> he just says take from ev- take from everywhere take from everywhere that you can and then put something together out of the back of it because at least you've got solid mythology and you know where the kind of the story is going and it also it's all about you know if i say to people <clears throat> i'm going to do a dungeon adventure about loch ness you all know what's going to potentially <laughs> potentially going to happen because you know about the mythology kind of surround oh it's not mythology because you know obviously yeah exactly <laughs> it's it's queen loch ness monster and her haggis armies but if i said that you know then every, you would know exactly what we're talking about so if you bring that kind of mythology in then people kind of already expect it but it's then you kind of like do a do a twist and it turns out that actually the loch ness monster is just a very very good kind of semi-aquatic mammoth that evolved over a period of time and what you see coming out of the water is its trunk kind of thing. That's how you would, that's how I would write a kind of a, a kind of adventure. It's, it's brewing up already. I can see. I see. This is the thing, but the other <laughs> thing is as well is how I'd end up, I knew I'd get right into it and I'd end up doing voices and then halfway through, I would forget all the voices that I've assigned to everybody. And then all of a sudden the voices would just have to stop because I'd start off and go, Oh, you're into the inn and you're speaking to Gunther and Gunther's like, you know, and what do you want on this fine day? You know, and then that'd be all the way, but then I'd forget about it and just say, Gunther just says hello, because I've done 52 different kind of character voices for, for kind of everything. <laughs> um, on the on the game side, because you're kind of, I mean, some people were obviously furloughed and some people weren't, but did that help with the development side of things? Did it get make it more free and easy or did it kind of make it more, difficult and how did you start to kind of because i'm guessing that i'm guessing that in terms of like say dice summers it was a case that you guys would just get together you'd be thrashing kind of through ideas and mechanics and stuff like that so is with the inability to do that did you do stuff separately or did you still try to kind of meet up to kind of keep the board game design stuff going I think it was much harder than it was uh, before with Dice Summoners. So with Dice Summoners, we had a lot of momentum we kept. Mm-hmm. But with everything that happened, like we changed a lot of how we did our jobs and everything changed mm-hmm. and, and where let go. And, and a lot of things meant that we, we did lose a bit of that momentum we had. Mm-hmm. We kind of we sped into game development after um, Dice Summoners was released into new games and new ideas yeah. and then like that all went on hold for like at least a year and a half i'd say and then it, we kind of came back to it we did all do bits and pieces and we dipped in and out of games mm-hmm. and we still talked about games a lot because everyone loves to talk about games yeah but uh that development piece that um we when when in between lockdowns we'd go to 
um, uh, like a playtest group or even just a board game group, play games and get some feedback on some of the games. And then it would be like, oh, it's another like eight weeks before we yeah. can see. Yeah. And like Say Snowball definitely is one of those ones where the puzzles either work or don't work and you need that feedback. It's you can't like keep going without. And once the lads had played the game once, you can't make them play it again because they know all the answers. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, <clears throat> that must make it difficult because, um, and that's a nice segue. Kira, I like that. It's good. To, <laughs> it's good to see somebody's in control of the show, <laughs> and uh, you're also breaking the tradition of bringing um, talking about a game kind of before the kind of the halfway, yeah, the forty-five minute yeah. mark, which is kind of like tradition. But I've done that quite recently. I've been. I've been. I, this is. I don't know if it's an old New Year's resolution. But I'm certainly trying to get people on to talk about the games before we talk about, um, yeah, before we get to that like 45 minute mark, which is incredible. But um, safe snowball, or as I was saying earlier on, Evas lab knobs, <laughs> um, because of my mirror uh, mirror view in my in my camera. Um, that's a departure. I'm gonna say that's when when I got the email through, and I clicked on it. I was kind of like, this is a bit of the, this is, this was not what I was expecting from you guys. I think we love like intro things, mm. bringing new people into board games. Yeah. So like uh, Dragon of Skellig Island was like bringing first time DMs in. Mm. Dice Summoners is like an entry game to a game night. And Save Snowball was like, uh, I really wanted to tell a story and, uh, Brian and Owen really helped me bring it together. But what we wanted was to have a game that was like accessible to to people like me who I play escape rooms all the time and I hate scary escape rooms and I've had to play loads of them <laughs> constantly. And I literally jump. I have on several occasions physically jumped in escape rooms and because uh, I, I don't love being scared. I do love trying to escape a locked room. Um, and people seem to think they're the same thing. <laughs> so uh, we wanted to try something different here where it's like, you have to save your pet rabbit, but it's bright, it's colorful. It's it's a it's a different story than your average, mm. you're locked in the, in the dungeon of a <laughs> mad scientist and he's gonna come and get you in an hour and kill you. <laughs> it was like at the last, I'm trying to remember the last kind of, um, the last kind of game I played, I think I reviewed a long time ago was an escape one. And um, it was a beautiful production. And you were kind of like, oh, this is lovely and wonderful and it looks amazing. And I kind of really, really like how, you know, the presentation and everything like that. But see, in terms of like the story, the story, uh, the story was just, it was really, it got kind of like, it was based on like a comic character. Um, and then it just kind of went quite, it went quite dark, very sad. <laughs> and then you were just like going, um, not a hundred percent sure. And it was a kind of, it was a, it was very, very well done story. But as you say, you kind of what you kind of got to the end and you kind of, I got to the end and breathed a sigh of relief as opposed to getting to the end of it and going, well, this was a, this was a, that was an experience that was wonderful. That was, it was kind of like it was a bit of a journey. So when I see this and I see the bunny 
on the front cover because there's a beautiful. I'm going to explain because this is great podcasting for you. People's like, there he goes again. <laughs> he's just plays like he's like he's like some. I'm like an old person that's going to the post office on a Thursday, and this is the only conversation with real human beings I get during my week. So I'm sharing all of my news. But <laughs> right, so it's save snowball, and um, quite worried for the rabbit, if I'm honest, because it's on a table. It's a white rabbit. It's a cute white rabbit. There's a standing to the to the right of them is a bonsai tree. There's a beaker. There's a pot plant on the floor. I'm not sure why that is. But then in the background, there's like there's clearly they're in some kind of chemist class. There's kind of different conical flasks here. We've also it appears we've got a um, we've got like a chemical symbol on the back, which I don't know is correct or not because they've potentially got carbon with two hydrogen strings off of it when it should actually have four. But you know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, and the OH group should have a covalent bond on the end as well. I'm just, I mean, you know, I did a bit of care. <laughs> I'm a bit of a scientist myself. Um, I'm worried for the rabbit because it appears it's in some kind of science place, and I'm worried if, like, you were able to scan the picture to the left or the right, there's scalpels and cages, Kira. That's what I'm worried about. That's true. That's true. But but the elation is to save your pet rabbit. So so the joy is going to come with uh, with um, breaking in and and getting your rabbit back. All right. Okay. So okay. And this is the thing because we're kind of I don't want to go into kind of like spoiler territory because we don't want to spoil anything. So do you want to give us a kind of I guess as let as 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 spoiler less as you can what the kind of the yeah. premise behind the game is so your pet rabbit has been kidnapped um straight out of your straight out of your back garden and um you find out where she is and you need to go uh, uh break in but with the help of somebody inside who's trying to um help you save save her too because they've realized the error of their ways and they want they want to get the rabbit out safe and sound it's like a redemption story then is is this like shawshank basically you don't have to crawl through a hundred yards of like it's the it's the other way it's it's like taken ah oh right (laughs) (laughs) that's again because it's a very colorful delightful box but if you're telling me this is kind of going to be uber violent um, I don't know. No. I think that would be amazing. Can you imagine if somebody opened a box on that and they went like it's a beautiful cartoony box and they opened up and it just went prepare for ultraviolence and just like that. And they've got like a it reminded me of that little video that you get with somebody's given a crab like a knife. <laughs> the crab's like, come at me, bro. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stab you. Um. So what? I mean, so what kind of puzzles? Because this suggests to me. That this is a kind of a game that's pretty easy to kind of get through. Is is it kind of yes no? Do you have kind of like different levels? No, it's um, it's it's more about like visual clues. Right. So, um, it's telling the story of you traveling in to save your rabbit. So mm. there's each each section has a bit of text, right, to give you kind of context of where you are and to give you a reason to solve puzzles because we love to have 
um, our escape room games to have an actual constant story mm. rather than just solve this new piece that's come in. So uh, we tell the story of how you how you get in. There's a few option bits where you can choose to do one thing or the other. Mm. But for the most part, you're you're um, looking for visual clues throughout the game. Mm. Some of the pictures are just to give you an idea of what the whole building looks like and oh, to give right, you kind okay. of that immersion effect. And then others are like, try and figure out how to solve this this um this clue and this puzzle with they're always result in a two or three digit number so it's kind of real consistent in how you get through it you just have to right. you're always looking for those patterns and connections to get that is it did you consider because some of the escape rooms that i know they've got like um the replayability is very limited and what i mean by that is you actually physically kind of like cut open fold cards destroy the objects kind of all the way through are you doing that in save snowball or can you are you can i can i kind of like reset that and like let one of my other family members kind of play it you can definitely replay so there's nothing damaged Hmm. nothing changed uh there are a few unusual pieces in the game but they all go back together uh when you uh when you're finished so you can the, the you can give them to people and share them with your friends and family and you've got hints as well yeah <laughs> you've got little hints on the was that i guess that's kind of important because if people are really really playing it they're either going to do it two ways they're going to start riffling through the deck and just saying right i'm going to find find out what i'm doing because i think you have to have like a um you have to have like a, a kind of a bit of either a bit of determination about you but also you need to make sure that you're not going to just, I'm just going to skip. I'm just going to skip to the next one. I'm here by myself. <laughs> Nobody's going to notice. Um, but, y- y- and is that a difficulty when it came to kind of play testing? Most people try and solve the thing. Yeah. Um, but we do, d- d- we do have the answer. So if you, you get two clues for each puzzle and then you just get given the answer for the people who are just like, this is not my thing. I just hate this puzzle. Yeah. I can't do it. And obviously you can't be there. So when we first play tested, we would give people hints or we would <laughs> like tell them the answer. <laughs> and then we needed that whole mechanic to do that because we can't be there staring over their shoulder. Exactly, can't be going, the worst one, the worst, no, the tree, no. For goodness sake, give me the thing here. It's this one here, kind of thing. <laughs> um, but also that must have been really important because um, one of the, as somebody, as somebody who, you know, reviews games, um, and you can see my latest works in Tabletop Gaming Magazine. That's Tabletop Gaming Magazine. Thank you. Um, it's a plug. There you go. Uh, for the bath. Uh, and it's, it's a good plug. It's, <laughs> my dignity is draining away. But, um, and I've forgotten what I was going to say, but it doesn't matter. But anyway, no, but did you did you have to, like, in terms of the playtesting, where did you play test kind of like different variations of the same puzzle to see how they would work out and what the kind of the success rate was in it? I mean, do you have like a huge spreadsheet which is full of ticks and crosses to say that we've tried this version of it and this worked, this worked, this was the time as well? Yeah, and interpretation of success as well. So um, like I was always about 
you know, the flow and stuff. Mm. But sometimes I wouldn't be caught up in like the writing. So we have notebooks full of uh, information on how well a puzzle went down. Mm. And they have been, there's so many iterations of the puzzles because sometimes it's like you change, you, the puzzle doesn't work. Yeah. And people just don't like it and that's fine. Or some people just can't answer it. There's, there's some puzzles in there. The idea was to bring up the difficulty level as the, as the game progresses. Yeah. Not too much, but just enough that it feels like you're kind of, you're climbing that mm, hill, mm. you're getting that success. And uh, like the first iteration, like some of the puzzles just people gave up on. There's, you know, one person might give up and you'd be like, oh, well, that's not a big deal. Yeah. But you got to see if, if multiple people are giving up, that's, that's, uh, that's, too much or people who love to play escape room games so we also had like the type of people playing and then um in each of us had a different interpretation of how well it went each time it was a playthrough so i think like my interpretation i i uh i have a like a fear of people playing my games so i'm always super like yeah with dice summers with save snowball whenever anyone's playing them i'm like oh god this is just this is i don't want to be here <laughs> and then like uh, uh own and brian were definitely more about the like getting more feedback on those things but did you get did you get better at that then because i get i mean okay so you're putting the game out there i mean compared to kind of a vast number of people who have kind of like designs sitting in drawers or designs written on the back of cards I mean, you're saying, oh, this this goes to Kickstarter and kind of or crowdfunding in couple in like three weeks' time. You're doing more than an awful lot of other people, you know, as well. I mean, I saw I caught there was a conversation on Blue Sky. Blue Sky, that's nice. Blue Sky is kind of a nice place, but somebody was saying like, kind of like, um, I'm go I'm looking for kind of help. I'm pitching a game to a publisher. What advice would you give? And one of the things I said was just be proud because you have done what probably 90% of people in your situation have not done. They're not in a situation where they're actually sitting down in front of a publisher and saying, this is my idea for a game. It's fully developed. What do you think? So, I mean, I think the fact that you guys are like, this is like your fourth thing that you've done including like the, 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 you know, the Christmas dice, D and D stuff, dice summers and stuff like that. So this is the fourth thing that you've done. So it's, it's, it's probably, there's probably should be a little bit of self-congratulation kind of going on to that. Um, it's a small box. And what I mean by that is, well, obviously what I mean by that is it's a small box, but <laughs> what is there like a, a kind of, <laughs> I was going to say, this is going to sound to, so terrible. But is there like a kind of a, a director's cut? I mean, is there like a fatal attraction bunny on the <laughs> bunny in the pan, the bits that we didn't use kind of thing? I mean, is because I can imagine with puzzle games, there'll be two sides of it. There'll be one which will be kind of like, well, this is definitely staying in. And then there's others that you're kind of like, well, I want to keep this puzzle in because it's really kind of cool, even though 50% of the people didn't really kind of gel with it. Yeah, <laughs> um, there is definitely a lot um, that didn't go in. And um, there were some puzzles that I really held on to yeah. uh, that I really wanted to. And um, Owen and Brian had some uh, amazing ideas that... Uh, mm. 
um, also yeah it was really an iterative process <laughs> there was definitely <laughs> I, i'm hearing i'm hearing there was maybe a little bit of friction there <laughs> kind of, i like yeah i like the idea know. of amazing ideas there were definitely arguments arguments about what, what should go what should go into the box i think uh obviously kira was uh, has been dealing uh, has been smoking this up for a while yeah. these ideas yeah and and some of them were absolutely incredible I think when we, we came to actually coming down to the Kickstarter, we kind of had to make things as not as cheap as possible, but like no. put it into the format that we wanted. Yeah. So uh, it, the choice was either to have a bigger box escape room yes. or to have like a smaller one where we could show off. These, here are the kind of puzzles that we like that can be made pretty straightforward. Hmm. And then... Uh, and then and then kind of put that in so there's a lot of talk about trying to get the most interesting ones into mm. the game mm. and then see if we could just take out the ones that uh, needed tweaking which also you know problems when you have problems like that you get a lot of in ingenuity so we were able to actually mix a couple of puzzles in together mm. into the same components and stuff yeah. like that yeah. and that really uh, it saves us time so but also you just get more ideas into the same box so yeah. it, those those kind of things are they're arguments, but they're also very constructive. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it's that time. It's like, well, I don't need to speak to you over the internet at all. And it's like, why isn't there more lockdown? <laughs> then, I could just, then I could just ignore you. But does that mean that there is kind of like uh, another box full of kind of puzzles and other things as well? So, because the thing I notice about the exit games, as in, you know, the exit games, is they're a series. Yeah. So I can imagine, you know, people go, one, what's going to happen is when people go, oh, yeah, this is really cool. I like this and I want more of it. People will want more of it. And it's not, I don't think it is. I think it's one of these things that if with something like this, if, if people go, yeah, save Snowball, wonderful, fantastic, love the idea, love the premise, love the fact I'm not going through another Egyptian tomb trying to escape <laughs> the curse of the mummy, loving that. But what I want to know is, do we have, like, you know, do we have, like, help Harry the hamster? You know, do <laughs> or, we have, or... you know, do we have aid Aaron the orangutan? I mean, do we have, you know, <laughs> I'm just spitballing here. I'm giving you names. You're not writing them down. Well, I think we're, we're going to set, we're going to settle on save snowball again. <laughs> no? Is it going to be like, I don't know, is it going to be like, uh, was it Penelope Pit Stop in the Anvil Mob? You just get dastardly coming along again and again and again. Because I tell you something, see by about the fourth game, you're just going to get bored with like saving the rabbit because it's going to be like, it just manages <laughs> to get itself in trouble. Yeah, you know, I mean, we could have a dog. <laughs> The third one is Snowball has to save you. <laughs> I think this is like Taken, isn't it? <laughs> You're turning this like into a kind of like a, a kind of a Taken thing, basically. Um, there, there, you know, there is, the there is, there is, there is a. <laughs> I was just gonna say, yeah, there is a lot of components and puzzles that we we have ideas for. Um, right. I think the the cool thing about Save Snowball, I thought, was because sorry, sorry, Kira has played almost every escape room in Ireland. And is working our way through the UK. <laughs> yeah, Dublin. We're finished, Dublin. We have no more escape rooms. That's it's tough. I have to go. I have to actually travel now. Every time I want to do an escape room, is like a day trip. Do you have to like wear? I can imagine you just having to go in wearing disguises <laughs> because they're going like 
They're going like, you know, because it's like they're just here to beat the record. And if they beat the record, they win the prize kind of thing. And you're kind of like sidling up with like some kind of twirly moustache <laughs> and a top hat going on and going, aren't you Kira Costello who came in last week? It's like, no, I'm Colin Castiglione. <laughs> I'm here to try your escape room. Thank you very much. And so, so it's almost like, is it like a badge of honour to potentially be kicked out of every escape room <laughs> in Ireland? Um, the, the advantage is we used to have, uh, we got to talk to some of the designers mm. in escape rooms, um, which kind of was one of the steps towards coming up with something like Save Snowball. But um, after one time we were going to one of the games, um, I was talking to the designer and they were, they were like, uh, yeah, we actually leave in all the hard puzzles when you arrive when we see your name on the booking <laughs> and then they're like and this other escape room who we had also met before after the game because yeah. we get through them quite fluidly we now have a really good team dynamic we talk a lot we're very good communicators so people are always like our fluid teamwork when we're doing it so they remember us and then like yeah no we put in extra hard puzzles when you come along <laughs> that we didn't have because <laughs> we know what you're like <laughs> it's, it's like when you go to the local kind of uh bangladeshi kind of restaurant and they go oh yeah no no put the Put the extra spicy stuff on there. <laughs> There's the kind of thing saying, I've seen you've got the, the you've got the mild gel phrase on tonight. Oh yeah, I'll show you. I'll show you. There you go. <laughs> spice. Tons of spice. I'm not gonna tell you what I was doing with my hands there. Um <clears throat> in terms of price then, because I can imagine like we talked about the box size. But is I mean, is this uh is this like um is are you getting this printed then locally because of the size of the box or are you looking at manufacturers in China again? Because the costs still seem to be huge kind of going to China. Do you know, is Carta Mundi still a thing or is it shut down now? They are still a thing. Are they still a thing? Hmm. Yeah, they, uh, they like bigger games, like more units. Yeah. Uh, that you're going to get printed but we we did so we looked at going to china yeah. and we looked at staying in i guess the eu so for us uh um it was it was a, a toss-up and then we got the prices back oh. and actually the eu we kind of so we we had an initial idea of how much it was going to cost hmm. and the more we've developed a game and worked, I think this time we worked with a lot more knowledge about how to make it more cost effective. And um, what we thought we were going to have to sell the game for, we're still trying to figure it out, but it's come down because we really can find uh, really good manufacturers in Europe now that are that are closer, that your shipping cost is over land or over like yeah, a ferry. Yeah. Um, and that that's bringing it down a lot. And um one of the manufacturers we were looking at or talking to like they're talking about eco-friendly plastics or biodegradable plastics yeah and, you know those sorts of options that aren't really available in china um, no. or in no. Shenzhen or hong kong at all yeah. um and and that's kind of sold us on uh like the kind of the costs you are it's still cheaper to get it done in china but when you take in shipping and everything like that and the length of time shipping is going to take it really makes it really is giving us a lot of options, and it's the unknown as well. 
And it's, it's, let's face it, it's the actual unknown of all it takes is something else to happen. I mean, we've had, in some cases, we've had one thing after another kind of kicking off, and it's not necessarily been kind of COVID-related. You've had kind of like the whole kind of oil and gas price going through the roof before it came down again, but the petrol stations don't seem to have got the memo yet because it's still ridiculously no. expensive. Um, but that's for another podcast at another time. Um, but yeah, so I can see, I don't know. See, my thing with kind of like local manufacturing is I, it's making it kind of cost effective. But also, I think it's also making it as, as quick as possible. Because I think there is an attraction. That I think the difficulty in the UK is that business costs are so high at the moment. I think there's a definite appetite. I mean, if I opened up a printing studio, then I'm pretty sure I could get I could get some orders kind of coming through pretty quickly. Not huge ones, but not massive ones, but definitely kind of reprints and stuff like that. And I think Carta Monday, I think, I'm pretty sure I read that they were going through trouble, but they seem to have maybe turned it around since the kind of the whole fuel cost of living stuff, probably because people looked at places in China and then went, well, yeah, but I'm not going to get it for 16 months because there's a backlog there or I can get it printed, you know, three months down the line and it'll be, I can actually go and visit it. I can jump on a plane really easy or I could jump in the car or I could get the 29A bus and it stops outside the current Monday and I can go and see the <laughs> pallets of games from my kind of, from my kind of myself. I don't know. It's kind of, int- I just... I think it's kind of like one of the, I think there's a lot of people that have an appetite in thinking about it, but I think it's a huge investment up front to kind of get the machines. And if you're going, and I think one of the things that we don't do over here at all is minis. I think there's a lot of places doing kind of like, the, the, there's a lot of places you can send STL files to now and they'll print your stuff for you. But I don't think there's like a mass producer of minis over in the UK or over in e- the EU at all. Yeah, like, sorry, from Ireland's perspective, Cartamundi were the only people here and they're gone. So, yeah. uh, or they're they're shutting up factory. But th- as I said, they wouldn't do small games. Mm. But there's, we don't even, like, we struggle to get local printing. You know, we have often gone to the UK for printing things, our prototypes or uh, Belgium or, you know, um, to just, we'd love if there was somewhere closer that could print. Now, for the prototype, actually, we got, um, there is a, a laser cutting place, uh, Tech Create in Ireland. Yeah. It's a kind of a local company and they are really great and they are like so friendly. And, um, but they're like, you know, they're one of the few places where it's just somebody you can chat to, go into the shop, yeah. talk about, talk to and, and have a, a chat about. But like, they don't even print cards they just laser print laser cuttings yeah and it's it's the um it's the it's the expense and the expertise as well because i guess you know it's i don't know as i say it'd be interesting to see if jump somebody jumps in i don't know if somebody will kind of jump in we'll see if it continues i think if prices continue to rise then i think prices continue to rise then i think that what will happen is it will end up kind of um so in terms of uh cost you mentioned that you haven't you haven't come up with a final cost do you have a ballpark figure for what kind of like your 
you're pledged. I mean, you're three weeks away. I mean, plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're trying to bring it down. Yeah. So I think we had thought we would have to sell it for around 18 yeah. um, euro, uh, which, which isn't that far off the exit games. No. I don't think. Um, or at least what they sell for in Ireland. Um, but uh, we are trying to figure out what we can do in that space to to reduce it down. So um, anything we can, yeah, we're 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 at this point we're just talking to some very helpful manufacturers, and um, we we did get the prototype printed in Cartamundi, and that that uh, did help us um, get an idea of what we could and couldn't do. And then we talked to um, the actually at the UK Games Expo, we had some really good meetings with them. Um, Fabrique Cart who gave us like loads of tips. Oh, right. Even if, if anything else, just tips on what we could and couldn't do yeah. that might save us some money. So that so they've been helping uh, um I think that that process it's it's hard because obviously they don't want to spend time on things that are just ideas. Yes. Uh, and then you're like, well we're gonna kickstart. So can we get down to the nitty gritty before we yeah, start yeah, to yeah, try no. and fund it? Yeah, no. No, I, I mean again it's like I've seen you, you see so many campaigns where they're kind of like, oh, we'll set a funding goal at seven grand. And then they hit seven grand and then they're like, oh, we've got to cancel, guys, because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to have a really, really interesting conversation with my other half if, like, we, if we fund at the seven grand and then it's like, kind of like, uh, we don't need uh, second mortgages. Everyone has one, don't they? Kind of thing. <laughs> but then on the manufacturing... Then on the manufacturing side, the size of the size of the box as well, it's kind of strange because you're saying this is like probably 17, 18 euros. But then you can, I, the exit boxes are double the size. Was that into consideration as well? Because the, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure there's much of a difference in terms of the, con, I mean, this is, I'm tapping the box with my fingers. <laughs> But this is a fairly solid box, and I know that you can sometimes pick up the exit boxes and you can rattle them. You can rattle them about a bit because there's like one thing of cards and there's some other components. And I know people that love them, so I'm not. But was there a part you went maybe we should make the box slightly bigger for kind of presence on the shelf and stuff like that? Did you have to kind of maybe take that into consideration? So, so we're not sure on the final box. Mm. That's there the discussions that we're trying to have. <laughs> Um, yeah, so so it we don't we don't it is quite dense. That is the thing. Yeah, it's quite squishy and hard to get back into that box. Yes, so there is a lot to be said for having a little bit of space inside uh, inside the box. However, it's also not as environmentally friendly to have um, the bigger box. Yes, so that's like we don't want to unnecessarily burden the environment with that. <laughs> oh no, just for the sake of shelf presence. Yeah, kind of it's a really hard. It's a so hard to mix all those things because you're getting feedback on all of them. You're getting feedback saying, "This is how, yeah, this is how you save money, time, and environmental costs," and then this is how you sell. And yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's tough. I mean, we really should have had this conversation in person at the weekend when we had the time because we are literally <laughs> being rather unenvironmentally friendly. Um, as as you know, meeting again over the internet using electricity, using bandwidth, you know, <laughs> they're probably they're probably some there's probably somebody in a forest somewhere just setting fire to pandas, saying, "Well, that they're using the broadband." <laughs> to have the internet. Just, 
burn them all, burn that square square bit of forest as well. Um, has you're you're effectively kind of starting again in terms of from the marketing point of view, because again the great kind of the um, COVID resetting kind of a lot of people's momentum. So how what is your with what you knew from how you handled the campaign with dice summoners? Is there been a, is 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 it changed an awful lot from kind trying to create kind of like the buzz, trying to create the noise this time? Yeah, I think uh, we've definitely learned a lot from the uh, Dice Summoners Kickstarter. Um, I think it's about getting the game out, but also you're right. There's the people who kind of back people on Kickstarter. They're yeah. game enthusiasts. Uh, you also want to kind of show them that you have something that you can back and then you should also follow us as part of a journey that we're going on because that's pretty much what we are um and that's why uh save snowball is kind of a smallish game mm-hmm. we didn't want to bring out a, me- a medium-sized game or a big large game um because we knew that you want to have you want people to see your game in their hands the previous yeah. one that you've made yeah. and they go i really like this i'll tell my friends mm-hmm. that hey these same group of guys and girls have a big board game coming out. Uh, I really like them. Um, and then, yeah. So I think that is definitely a conscious decision to choose uh, to pick Save Snowball and kind of focus on that as a development thing. And has it been interesting for you, Owen, as a kind of like, because this sounds like kind of Kira's baby bunny. <laughs> so has it been interesting? For, have you been developing other games for for deck and awesome or have you been like is this been kind of like a different kind of journey for you to go well i need to get involved in this yeah i think uh it's 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 weird to have such a thing that you everyone loves doing what they do all the time so uh dice summoners was definitely my kind of thing that we yeah. were doing but we, we all helped out and then obviously there's the D writing which uh, me and kira love to do um and then kira was the save snowball uh, and then brian is working on bumper bots and i think it's it's awesome because um, I love playing board games, and I don't really play enough escape rooms. And so when I get when I play Snowball, and Kira comes up with these new changes and stuff, I still love to play that game. Yeah, yeah. And so for me, I just get to see this game develop and grow alongside everybody else. Um, and so I, I really do enjoy it. And obviously, I'm, I'm chipping in. I'm telling like these kind of things can change here and here. And what about this? Um, but yeah, it's it's awesome. And because you're not like a f- uh, as a fan of the genre as Kira is. That must mean that in terms of criticism, and I guess, are you, are you a little bit more sharp when it comes to the criticism as well? I guess because, yeah, you know, yeah. because of the, <laughs> the, the, the related part here, yeah. I guess I think... you're not kind of too backwards about coming forwards and just saying, look, I'm not, I don't mind kind of hurting your feelings um, after, you know, but are you more likely to say, right, look, this works, this doesn't work, I think this is this is brilliant, but this is crap, you need to get rid of it kind of thing? Yeah, I think I think uh, even if I'm really harsh with, with Kira, uh, it comes from a loving place, but I think it's also because Kira has he- heard me say much worse things in the past <laughs> <laughs> to her. Exactly. Like, this, is, also, this is water yeah. off a duck's back. Yeah, this yeah, is almost this, it's, it's like a Christmas this, jumper. <laughs> yeah, like saying this card isn't 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 so good or I don't like it uh, yeah. or for like these specific reasons. Mm. It, it sounds really harsh. Um and it is. 
but um, it's it comes from a, a good place, and Kieran knows when I'm actually being really angry. <laughs> so there's no like <laughs> miscommunication. Yeah, but now on the other side of it, you sometimes need that. I think sometimes when um um, it's like the I'll give you an example. I reviewed a game recently, um, and I made comments along the lines of "This is a wonderful game, but there is no there's pretty much no multiplayer here at all. It's quite literally." solitaire you are kind of you're lining up at the table you're taking your shot you're then taking your pieces off the table the next person kind of comes along and i was like when i wrote it and published it i was kind of like oh this might be people might take this slightly the wrong way but then i got an email from the publisher saying thanks for the feedback this is great we realized this we realized the kind of the points that you kind of raised at the time and yeah this is you know kind of value for us and it's just Again, it's kind of like, it's like, um, I think there's kind of, um, we're very much caught in the kind of the influencer trap in board game media in some cases, that everything's wonderful. I always joke with people, and I use this joke again and again and again, but certain board game influencers would say that every single Star Wars film was perfect and brilliant and absolutely fun, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, and But they would be afraid of saying, you know, I actually don't like this one um <laughs> you know just because yeah, i want to yeah. be positive about the scene it's like well you can't people can't learn if you're positive all the time but it's gonna you know but so i'm gonna rip this to shreds i am gonna rip yeah well the thing is if you <laughs> it doesn't take long to get an opinion of what jar jar binks is you know like you you see jar jar binks you go i either like him or i don't <laughs> i know <laughs> right? but also at the same time right right when i saw star when i saw star wars originally yeah i was probably about seven years old seven or six or seven years old so it was right in the zone it came out and was it 77 um i saw it when it was like maybe 80 81 so i was maybe six years old seven years old so it was right at the time the guys that saw the that phantom menace would have been they would have had parents who probably saw the original star wars so they took their kids along to see the star wars and a lot of these kids loved kind of Jar Jar Binks, I guess. So my analogy <laughs> is completely falling apart. You know, I think I, I think from from our point of view as board game developers and testers, mm. we've seen it all. So when we go to conventions, uh, you know, people are very positive, people are very negative. But I will say, on the whole, it's incredible. Every like you know, Tabletop Scotland, yeah. Games Expo, everyone is very positive. The com- actual board game communities themselves very positive about uh, a lot of things. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's it's genuine. You can see like people genuinely enjoying themselves. Uh, they don't need to say anything sometimes. Yes. You know? As, uh, yeah, well, especially when you're playtesting, you can just see it in them. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where you get most of your feedback from. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, maybe in the online media, I, I, I wouldn't mind at all if people give us one star or five stars, you know? To me, that's... Oh, I see where like... you're going with that. But also, <laughs> at the same time, I think... Uh, I think uh, if I criticize something, it's it's born through the back of frustration. I didn't, you know, going back to, and I'll tell you, it was uh, it was meeples and monsters. I put the review out there. I said, you know, it was very highly frustrating for me that it's literally it's multiplayer solitaire and it's built up to look like this big huge family game, and it does have elements of that, but it's just frustrating. And I said, this is it. It's frustrating. I don't generally hate a lot of games. I find some games frustrating through the design decisions. You know, it's, it's very rare, if at all, 
that'll look at a game and go, this is crap. Um, there was one recently, I thought this is crap, but that's because it was. It was literally <laughs> it was literally move a piece and collect the card. And I was like, this isn't a game. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, but on the other side of it, in terms of kind of, are you, it's a balance, isn't it? Because you are looking for people who kind of are quite, ha- will go out there and kind of go, save Snowball. And then you'll be people that will go out there and say, yes, yeah, you can save Snowball. I would have liked to have seen this kind of thing. And I guess it's kind of getting that balance. You want people to kind of love it, but you've also got like, um, if you got this in the hands of say like Dan Thoreau. I love you, Dan. Please come on the show. Um, he's well respected. He's like he's a well respected critique in the in the kind of the board game space. But I guess if he reviewed your game and came up and says, I, I, I like this, I like this, I don't like this, I, this makes me uncomfortable, I'm not sure about this, this frustrates me. That's still kind of a review, isn't it? It's still kind of like getting the kind of the word out there. It's kind of like no publicity. Um, was it Jamie Stegmar doesn't read reviews apparently? Yeah. Well, he has a lot of he has a lot of advantages. He's probably is he not get was it getting to that point? He used to say about Bill Gates that if Bill Gates dropped like a fiver in the street, it would actually cost him more money to stop and pick up the fiver <laughs> than it would <laughs> than it would for him to you know kind of pick up the fiver base. It's like yeah, I suppose he doesn't doesn't matter. But the same, yeah, but no, but in in terms of me getting to eventually a question, but in terms of who you've approached. Have you had to look at like how do you make the decision about who you speak to, who you send a copy? Because these are these aren't cheap. Prototypes aren't cheap for games. They're the most expen potentially the most expensive. I mean, when I spoke to the guys that, who are, um, they were at Tabletop Scotland as well. The Old King's Crown. I don't know if you went to their stand. Their stand, their, the, the the game is huge. It's like a, it's like got prototypes and it's got boards and it looks very, very much like a leader game. And they actually say in the credits, uh, leader game, leader games actually kind of gave us some advice on this. But you can imagine that prototype must have cost. It's like a couple, at least a couple of hundred quid a shot because they're not getting a thousand made. They're going to get one made. So when it comes to you sending out prototypes. How how have you been deciding who you've been sending it? Who you've been sending them out to? Is it uh, how annoying and Scottish they are, or is it based on <laughs> kind of number of you know? Do you look at the number of viewers they are? Is this the right account? Do they you know? I'm a, I wouldn't send this to a war gamer. I will, should I send it to a war gamer? Is it, I can what what are you kind of taking into account when you look at who you're getting to look at the game? Um, yeah, so uh, obviously the game is only in English at the moment. We we tried to make it so that it was, uh, you know, you can translate the into different languages, like but American. Moment, <laughs> 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 exactly. So yeah, at the moment we, we we like to focus on as local as possible. So it's all Irish, UK, yeah, and then uh, we also sent some copies to the US. So I think that's the the main point is we, we're just trying to kind of spread our sections in there. Mm-hmm. Um, we tried to do a couple of different ways of uh, kind of spreading the word. Last time it was kind of like advertising and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, this time we went into your favorite magazine, Tabletop Gaming Magazine. Uh, Never heard of it. 
<laughs> so we have we have a physical there's a physical ad there for safe snowball <laughs> um imagine looking i've got a copy of it i'm gonna look for this mate i'm gonna look for this advert to speak of mr costello no keep talking yeah so uh yeah but uh, actually one of one of our good friends of ours is ludus vulpas they yeah. do great board game reviews and um, they're obviously in tabletop scotland traveling around doing interviews with people um so I think yeah we, we're trying to keep it um, local, but also sending it out to uh, America because obviously we don't we can't we're not going to visit America. Um, there a lot of the conventions like uh, Gen not, Con and stuff. Do you not like Americans, Owen? We love Americans, but uh, just Gen Con and stuff <laughs> that they don't mix with like Galecon. I think it's on the same time, isn't it? So uh, yeah, we we kind of have to stick into the UK and Ireland. And it's the travel as well, isn't it? An expense and yeah. going out there with like kind of like the game as well. And we don't have a presence there. I feel like we know like uh, people from UK Games Expo and uh, Tabletop Scotland and and like we want to build those relationships um, as much as we can. So every time Kira talks, it's like I'm trying to put it off, but I'm not trying to put it off. There you go. <laughs> it's it's on the what page is it? I'm gonna just look. It's like every publicity is free publicity. Page number, <laughs> page number sixty-four on the top left-hand side. There is an advert for Save Snowball. That's page sixty-four on tabletop, uh, tabletop gaming magazine, and on page ninety-three, it's my, uh, it's my interview with, um, <laughs> it's my interview with Mantic Games about the worms, nice. <laughs> the worms board game coming to Kickstarter. But anyway. But you were back that already. <laughs> so obviously based on <laughs> obviously based on the fantastic interview that you read in Tabletop Gaming Mag. There's so much of this I'm gonna have to cut out. It's just, it's just like that. It's like you know. I said yeah. I'm just yeah. It's just ridiculous. But then on that yeah. But getting getting the word out there. I mean, is there things that you are just like I'm not going to do this time because it's cost too much money, and we kind of don't see the return on it. Um, some of the reviewers where uh, you had to pay quite a high price for people that we couldn't maybe afford or we didn't get. We do assess to some degree, you know, whether the people who followed those reviewers are going to be our target market or at least roughly in our target market. As you say, there is no point getting a reviewer who's a war gamer to review a game. Yeah, First no. of all, they're probably not going to love it. So, and if they do say they're going to love it, they're probably lying. So it's not going to feel authentic. <laughs> um, so we, we, we do have to like, we, we did have to limit it. We also have to um, take some appreciation for our time. So like, uh, we couldn't get a stand at Tabletop Scotland this year. We just didn't have the holidays to be there for the whole time, and like we we wanted to because we've we've been we've had a stand actually at it every year since it started, except for the one year where we couldn't get. I don't even know if it ran while we couldn't get into the country, but if it did no. run, oh, okay, perfect. So then we've been at it every year. It's been on, <laughs> um, and like. Uh, it it was kind of it took us a long time to decide that we couldn't we couldn't get the holidays to get a stand because we had to spend our time otherwise and um, but we did still want to come and we did we tried to make it work mm. by getting up at five o'clock in the morning and driving places and stuff like that Just, so so yeah, <laughs> it was really 
Yeah. I, I always wonder, I, th- I always find it funny about kind of previewers that nobody actually kind of goes, it's almost like it's a hidden cost thing. You know, it's like, oh, we don't talk about how much previewers are willing to charge. I know it's like a good couple of hundred pounds or hundred dollars or hundred euros. I could probably do it. And I have nothing against kind of previewers that kind of charge if they've got a big enough audience and stuff like that, as long as they make it aware it's a kind of like a huge, like a preview thing. As long as they're saying, look, yeah. this is an advert. I'm being paid for this advert. The people that are paying me the money are aware it's going to go in front of several thousand people who are going to like my product or not. So there you go. That's kind of, that's kind of fine. So are you finished? I mean, are you kind of at the point where you're kind of, is it kind of like we're ready to go? Is there still an awful lot to do before the kind of the run up? Are you kind of like at the, the point where the wedding's organized, we've got the cake, we've got the flowers, we've got the car, we've got all our clothes and stuff like that, but we just happen to have done it three weeks early because normally there's that mad rush in the last 48 hours. But you you seem kind of both quite chill and quite prepared. (laughs) What's that like? We, uh, We still have a lot to do. So more like like that negotiate on what the cost is going to be <laughs> so, like, i feel like uh, you, you're overselling our, our calmness <laughs> see them uh, put your hands up like this let's see put your hands up <laughs> see the steadiest rocks here i mean there's no there's no, there's no. And, and kickstarter goals kickstarter goals we still we're still negotiating on what we can and can't put in and I guess it's just the technicalities because we couldn't have gone into this without doing the artwork unlike maybe we had an idea of the artwork and we had gotten yeah um with dice summers we had we knew what style we wanted yeah. and we had a rough idea of the cost whereas with this and um, the game doesn't work if the images don't explain the puzzle so it's not I, I couldn't have waited and I think I would agree on that that like uh you just that was too important a piece to leave till after kickstarter because if we can't find somebody who can actually convert the images into pretty Mm. but functional images Mm. uh this wasn't going to work and like owen had to take all of my rubbish drawings and redraw them all with like a lot of like detail because the artist couldn't understand otherwise necessarily why i have six squares that are exactly in these locations yeah. and then have to be in exactly in these locations yeah uh, and it made it it made there was like this translation piece almost that had to happen that own was so important to to get to get those ideas true and if, if we didn't do if we didn't do that before the kickstarter like that took a, a long time that took a really like Owen was working on it for months. I was working on the original designs for months. The artist was working on them. You know, that that would have just meant our Kickstarter was too far away uh, once it was released, you know, even if we had funded. So does that mean then in terms of production that once the campaign finishes and you're funded, then the actual turnaround from to getting it into people's hands is going to be an awful lot shorter because you don't have all that art and stuff like that to get done 
It does. It does. The delightful upside of it <laughs> is that it's ready to go. See? We uh... <laughs> steady hands. Steady, steady hands. <laughs> See, it's all done. You know, you just got to make sure when the cake turns up, it's fine and edible. And I was like, I don't know why. I don't know why I went in the weather. I have no idea. Why am I? I don't know. I don't know. Um, so you've not decided on stretch goals. You've not decided on funding total. You've not decided how much everything's going to be. But if people have listened along to me <laughs> and said, well, you know, actually, I do want to find out about this, the stretch goals. I do want to find out how much it costs. I do want to find, you know, do want to find out how much it's going to cost to get into my hands because I do want to save Snowball. Where will they find you on the internet webs? Where do you exist on the internet webs? So uh, I think the, if you specifically care about Save Snowball, go to Kickstarter and then type in Save Snowball, right. obviously. Uh, and then if you want to check us out, we're on Instagram. So Decking Awesome Games. If you want to find <laughs> out where Decking Awesome Games exist online, if you go to dag.irish, I-R-I-S-H. That's easy. Where else can that's we find? Where else can we that's, find? That's you? that's the URL I was worried about. That's what I was in my head the whole time. I, to, I have to spell AG that Irish. <laughs> so I said anyway. Um, yeah, but I think Instagram is also a great place to check us yes. out. And you can. And we do have Facebook and and Twitter and and various social medias. And on YouTube, we'll be releasing our unboxing video uh, for the prototypes. So. Um, you could you can see some of the game as well that'd be wonderful but only certain parts of the game not all of the game so if i went to <laughs> the, the back puzzles. just now <laughs> this is went bad um what we'll do is oh my goodness try to get it back in the box who designed this what we'll do, <laughs> what we'll do is we'll put everything in the show notes so that we've got notes to notes to show it's still not going in there we go um if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to Go to the internet webs and search for We Are Not Wizards and you'll find us in the darkness. Do you know there's just going to be a claw that's going to come out from the dark just <laughs> and, and just snatch me away because it's what I deserve. Um, go to the internet web, search for We Are Not Wizards and you'll find us in all the different places. Worn out faces, bright and early for the daily races. We are also, we're on Facebook and we're on Blue Sky um, and we're on we're on the hair plugged emerald merchants site as well. <laughs> Captain <laughs> Captain Elon Muskie older, nobody likes to work for him. He's been kicked off several boards. We don't like him. But we're also on there just now, just you know, just until we can be bothered. And all the other wonderful places. If you've listened to along to tonight on your podcast catcher of choice, please go to your podcast catcher of choice and drop us a rating or a review or tell other people. If you are going to be dropping a rating or review. Don't give us 10 stars because it makes us big headed, but don't give us one star because it'll make us cry. Give us something in the middle, like a five, because it's average. <laughs> Still can't get a lid in this box. And we're, and we're a little bit average. But the people who have not been average is rather wonderful, rather fantastic. I have got the. I've got the person who you could put them in any room and you can guarantee they would escape. I've got Kira Costello. <laughs> and I've got a man who will shout you down and tell you what you've done wrong. <laughs> um, 
or something. But he's mostly nice, unless you're trying to create an escape room <laughs> game that he's not really that fond of. But then he'll tell you how it is. I've got Owen Costello. Thank you very, very much for coming on. Thanks, Richard. Thanks, Richard. There's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember there were many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Owen? No. No. <laughs> Are we wizards, Kira? No. <sighs> Wonderful. See, this that wasn't difficult, Ignacy, was it? Just saying. Um, another <laughs> thing is to say goodbye. <laughs> so it's, a good, it's a goodbye from Owen. Say goodbye, Owen. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from Kira. Say goodbye, Kira. Goodbye. It's a goodbye from you, remember. Stay safe. Rule sixes make something awful. And if you fancy getting yourself a little, look at this white, you can't see this white bunny, but it's incredibly cute. You need to save them. Their name is Snowball. But until the next time, I'm going to do my best rabbit impression. A wizard goodbye. is never Is he early? He arrives precisely when he means to.